Thank you so much for that welcome. Thank you, everyone. This is an incredible church. I just want to start by saying that. Like, you guys are blessed to be in this house, to be under this leadership. Um, I just had the privilege of being over at the university site, and um, it's incredible what you guys are doing. I'm, I'm from Jubilee Church, so we're like as crazy as you guys by way of doing different sites and running about and all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, I like it. I feel like it's good. We can't get too comfortable. So yeah, it's amazing. I am, I am so holy that I forgot my Bible at the last um, site. So just getting it up on my foot. Amazing. Um, yes. So thank you so much for the intro. I've, I've had a crazy week. Uh, it's been, it's been mad. Um, so I'm a musician, like was said. Um, you can you can definitely take that down now. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, so yeah, I'm a musician, and I have the privilege of going all around the world and um, traveling with my band. It didn't always start off like that. We're a, we're a jazz band, so uh, we started about 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago, um, when we were just kids. And the pinnacle of jazz music was kind of you play at a few jazz clubs here and there, and you might go to a, the odd jazz festival every now and again in Europe. That was like the pinnacle. Um, within about four or five years of being in this jazz band, we'd done all of that. And then God just started to open doors left, right, and center, and we started to play at more mainstream festivals and this and that, and all the way up to what you would say the culmination of the last 10, 11, 12 years was last week winning this award, this Mercury Prize. And for those of you that don't know or don't care what it is, it's essentially an award that looks at all the albums that released across Britain and Ireland over that course, the course of that year, regardless of genre, and decides which album was the best. And we were, yeah, it was, it was weird. We were the bookie's least favorite. Um, yeah, um, so some of my friends made a lot of money um, on that. So it was, it was in that situation. You know, we're standing there, and then they call out our name, and it's like, what? This is mental. It's objectively the greatest musical achievement we've ever had. Everyone's on cloud now, and I was on cloud nine. A little bit awkward on stage, so I didn't know, what, didn't know what to say. I'm a lot more comfortable here talking about Jesus. Um, and yeah, things have, things have, honestly, things have gone really well since then. Um, on that side. <laughs> on the other side, I'm a human. I'm a child of God. Um, and how many people know that the road as a Christian is a bit of a bumpy one? Yes. Amen. <laughs> um, so on the other side of everything, uh, I, went into, I went into work the next day. I went in, sat down at my desk. Um, I opened up my Bible. I, I, that's what I do in my quiet time. That's when I read and, and pray. And I, I just I opened my laptop and something triggered something in me. It was like I'd let someone down, something, it, honestly, it was quite small in comparison to like everything that had happened the day before. But for some reason, this overbearing, untamed feeling of just despair came over me. I was reminded of what felt like every single failure in my life at that moment. Just wave after wave after wave of you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. You let people down here, here, here. And if only they knew what you were really like. I felt weak 10 hours after feeling like the strongest man in the world. Uh, my frustrations, my, my shortcomings as a friend, as a son, as a husband, as a child of God all came crashing back to me. And this feeling, I could only describe it as a cloud that was over my head. So we won the award on Thursday. This is Friday morning. And the whole day, I feel different. People keep coming up to me and saying, wow, you must be so happy. And I'm like, yeah. And then I go home and my wife 
She sees me and she's like, what's up? I said, I'm good. She said, no, 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 are you actually okay? And like every godly man, I said, mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> Went to bed, woke up the next day. Went in, opened my Bible again, opened it, and this feeling came straight back. I was still under this cloud. I'm thinking, what's going on? I'm under this cloud. I feel what can only be described as oppressed. I felt weak. I felt like a failure. Ah, but my Bible reading, I'm doing Bible in a year, right? And the reading that day was from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 to 10. Now, I know this well. This is like my life verse because it saved my life. And I opened it, and I can't tell you the healing that happened in that moment. And so I'm sharing it with you today. Because I am willing to bet that in a room like this, there's some people feeling a sense of failure, a sense of not being good enough, a sense of, I don't know, discouragement and despair. And in the name of Jesus, that will all be tackled, and you'll be delivered from that today in the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Bow your heads. King Jesus, you really are king above it all. You died, you were raised to life, and the keys of the kingdom, all authority and power is given to you. Authority over our shortcomings and weakness. Authority over death itself. You really are the king above all. So we address you as King Jesus and we pray that you would have your way here today. You've already had your way today, Lord God, but we pray that you would continue. More and more of you, more of your glory today, we pray in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. 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 So I'm preaching from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, feel free to turn there. I'll give a little bit of context while we're turning to that place. The sermon's called The Power of Weakness, right? Um, because uh, there is power in weakness, according to Jesus. Um, uh, the context is this. Uh, Paul plants a church in Corinth, Acts chapter 18. He, he, he tells them, he preaches the gospel to them, he starts this church, he's an apostle, he started churches before, he starts this church, he goes away, he gets reports that everything has gone left, like left, left. People are arguing about who got baptized by who and therefore who's greater than who. There's all these kind of like crazy, like immoral things that are happening in the church that he needs to start addressing. So he writes this letter, 1 Corinthians, to address that. And they completely ignore him. In fact, some people have crept into the church, and these are other apostles that have started to kind of badmouth Paul. And so you've got this congregation there that isn't listening, and then you've got people who are in the congregation who assume themselves as their leaders, and they're saying, Paul isn't all that. So what Paul does is he visits the church in Corinth, right? He visits them, and it goes even worse. He calls it the painful visit. They cast him out. They said to him, essentially, look, you're poor. We we ain't sure about your credentials and your authority, and beyond all of that, you're not a very good preacher. Don't any of you send me that message today, please. He, he, this is Paul, right, we're talking about. The apostle, Paul, the guy. And they said, oh, we ain't too sure about you. We ain't too sure about you got the credentials and the, you know what I mean, to be talk, telling us what to do. And so what happens is Paul writes a, another letter where, it's not in our Bibles, but we, get, we kind of get the context of this from Second Corinthians. He writes another letter to them and basically rebukes them for what they're doing. And they are sorrowful. A lot of them, not all of them, turn away and they're like, we're so sorry. And then Paul writes this letter we have here, 2 Corinthians, to say, look, we're all blessed. We're good. 
that I still love you guys. And he basically writes this letter as an encouragement and a reconciliation. But in the last couple of chapters, he addresses these apostles, these people who have worked their way into church to try and badmouth him. He calls them, jokingly, super apostles. He says, ah, you super apostles. And he says, look, they're boasting about what they have, what they can do, what they bring to the table. He said, look, I'm not a boastful guy. I don't like boasting. But if you want to go toe to toe, if you want to go bar for bar, we can do that. He said, all right, uh, these guys are saying that they know their scriptures. Look, I, I was a Pharisee. I memorized the whole thing. He said, okay, these people, they, were, they, they know the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I met him. I was commissioned by him. He says, I've given my whole life to this thing. I've been shipwrecked. How many times? I've, I've been hungry. I've been, I've, all of these things have happened to me. So I've given my whole life, and I've never asked you guys for money, unlike some. And then we get to this part in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, and he says, look, I can go on boasting. I'm reading from verse 1. He says, I could go on boasting, but there is nothing to be gained by it. Because he doesn't want to boast. He doesn't want to. He's making a point here. He says, I could go on boasting, but there's nothing to be gained by it. Then he starts speaking about himself in third person. He says, um, he says I, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ, that's him, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. That's heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up to paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, but God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. He says, look, look, not, not trying to boast, but even beyond that, I've had these revelations. I've, I've seen heaven. And then he goes on to say this. On behalf of this man, I'll boast, but on my behalf, I will not boast, except of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool. He's basically saying, I could boast if I want to. I'm not lying. But I refrain from it. So that no one may think of me more than he sees or hears from me. And so to keep me from becoming conceited, this is arrogant, to keep me from becoming prideful, to keep me from becoming a, a guy that's looking for the applause of men. Because of these surpassing revelations that I've had, a thorn was given to me in the flesh. What is a thorn? No one knows exactly what this thorn in Paul's flesh was. I don't want you to imagine like a little, you know the thorns that are on rows, what are they called? Like on, it's not that. It's the, the translation of the word is more like a, a stake like a knife, if you would, that was given to Paul. Something that was going to stop him from living life in the way that he knows he was called to. He says, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, given. A, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, this is Paul talking, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, with insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, I am strong. Amen? Paul has this thing. We don't know what it is. I'll go into what it maybe could be. He has this thing that is stopping him from living life in the way that maybe he's accustomed to and he prays three times to the lord to remove it and his expectation is that the lord will remove it but god doesn't now i'm a believer that god doesn't cause our pain but i'm a believer that he might allow it 
in the same way that on the righteous as those who are unrighteous. In the same way as it says in the scriptures that the sun rises and falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Paul's praying and he expected it to be taken away. It wasn't taken away. And on the third time, he stopped praying. Why did he stop praying? I think it's because he recognized and realized that God might be trying to do something in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the weakness. I believe that he realized that God wanted him to change his question from how can I get out of this to what am I to get out of this? What are people to get out of this? What are you trying to teach me that I might be able to teach people through this? So he stopped praying and started listening, which I would argue is still a part of praying. Often we think that if these weaknesses of our life were taken away, that we would be in a better position to serve God. That we could bring him more glory. If only you would take this away from me, Lord. Paul recognized that hmm, maybe God wants me to, maybe there's a greater degree of serving him that can be done in this thing that I'm going through right now. And I'm not here just wishfully thinking or dismissing what is your own pain. God doesn't do that either. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. Thank God for that. Like I said, Paul pleaded three times for this thorn to be taken away from him. You know who else pleaded three times for something to be taken away from him? Jesus, in the garden, right? Take this cup away from me. And then what did he end with? Ah, but not my will, but yours be done. And it is because of that moment that we get to live and stand here today. Amen? His suffering gives us life. So, I'm a three-point preacher. Like all God-fearing preachers. I've got three points for you today. And there's little sub-points, and if you're taking notes, this is the moment to. I want to look at, first of all, the different types of weakness. What are the different types of weakness? I believe there are different types of weakness. I think the Bible keeps what the thorn is vague on purpose. Because I believe that we're meant to put what we're going through a lot of the time in place of that word thorn. What what are the different types of weakness that we could go through? Uh, This shouldn't be a a surprise to anyone, but I'll highlight it. Number one is body, bodily weakness. Um, There's kind of three categories right here. There's, There's common limitations of your body, uncommon limitations of your body, and then what I would call chronic illnesses and diseases and things like that. Um, our bodies are limited uh, 100%. You, you, you just fall over, you'll cut yourself, for example. We, we, we're not just completely immortal in the flesh. We, things decay, things go wrong. Some of the things that are limitations, they're common limitations. What am I talking about? I'm talking about everyday tiredness, everyday hunger. Like I was joking earlier, right now, I ain't had breakfast. I'm starving, but it's all right. It's all right. You see, why is this important? I would love to fast for 40 days. Get real close to God. Let me not lie to you. I ain't got that right now. It's not, I haven't got that. Uh, These are things that happen, right? But it's common. Or how many of you at night, you're like, I'm going to pray before I go to bed. You get into the posture to pray. You're like, Lord Jesus. I think... And you wake up later, you don't know if you've said amen or not, you don't know if that counts as a prayer and all of that kind of stuff. We've been there before, right? Tiredness is just, look, Jesus highlighted this when he was in the garden and he's praying and he has his disciples with him. And he's praying and he turns around fast asleep. And he's like, how could you, you can't even just watch with me for one hour. And he, what, what does he say? Ah, you see, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
Yeah, common limitations. But then there's uncommon limitations. Moses with his speech impediment. We don't know what that might be. Maybe it was a stutter. But most people don't have a stutter. Moses does. God comes to Moses and says, go and speak to Pharaoh. Moses says, there's only one problem. (laughs) I ain't got that. It's an uncommon limitation. And that limitation, was Moses wrong for saying to God, I'm not sure about this? Now, yes, speaking to God, you should believe that he could do anything. But if we're looking objectively, you're asking him to do an oratory task. And that's the one thing that he's really bad at. So he's like, I'm limited in this place. Our bodies sometimes have these uncommon limitations, things that other people don't necessarily have, but it seemingly limits you from carrying out the calling of God in your life. I said seemingly on purpose. We'll pick that up later. Number three is chronic illnesses and diseases. Now, I won't do justice to this in the two minutes I've got on this point. This is very much, I would say, it could be a whole sermon in and of itself. But there are examples in the Bible There's examples here right now of people who are going through some stuff where their body is decaying in a way that it shouldn't be. It's a reality of being in this broken world. One day there'll be no more pain or sickness. And it's in the Bible. People like King Asher had diseased feet and people like King Hezekiah had a terminal illness. This happens. Weakness of the body. Weakness of the mind is number two. Mind and soul are kind of interchangeable. But weakness of the mind, this is the one that's resonating with me at the moment. Because last week I went from cloud nine to somewhere deep in shale in like 10 hours. How? How can I go from this elation, this deep feeling of satisfaction, and 10 hours later, I am in a pool of despair? If If that doesn't scream mental fragility, then I don't know what does. And I'm standing here vulnerable as a man that uh, I guess it's easy to look at and be like, wow, he's got it together. No, <laughs> at all. That was a flip. And I'm, I guarantee that there's people here right now who are going through similar things. What am I talking about? I'm really talking about mental health. Young people, men, everyone. <laughs> this is something that is a battle that seems nationwide, worldwide right now. Emotions, feelings, I'm talking strongholds. I'm talking about the discouragement that you're feeling right now because you haven't done too well in the past couple of weeks. I'm talking about the anxiety that you felt every day for the last few years. I'm talking about the feeling of failure or the fear of failure. I'm talking about that imposter syndrome that you get when you walk into a place and you're like, I'm not meant to be here right now, and you turn into a shell of the person that you know you are. And people often say stuff to you like, wow, you're so much louder at home than you are out here. Yeah, why do you think that is? It's the depression that might have been plaguing your soul for far too long. Where you remember what you used to be like to feel joy, but that's a fading memory right now. The Bible doesn't shy away from the topic of mental health. In fact, one of the greatest prophets, Elijah, was suicidal at one point. Now let me explain to you the weakness of, of this, of, of, I'm talking about a very strong man here, by the way, Elijah. <laughs> but imagine this. He's just gone from praying for rain and so after seven years, the rain comes. He's, he's just gone from having a showdown with all of the 850 pagan prophets and he calls fire down from heaven and it happens. He just came from winning a mercury. 
and then all of a sudden, there's a whisper. This lady called Jezebel says, oh, I'm going to kill you. And that sent him into such a deep despair. This is what he says. He says, but he himself, Elijah, went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under the broom tree. And he asked that he might die, saying, it is enough now. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. Think about it. Maybe you've prayed that prayer before. Maybe you've had that thought before. Maybe you're having that thought right now. Maybe no one knows about it. God does and is not deterred by it. He's coming after you today, amen? Our minds aren't as strong as we think they are. No matter what all these motivational speakers will tell you. Just think about it and manifest it and it will happen. What are you talking about? <laughs> weakness of the body, weakness of the mind. Number three, weakness of the spirit. Weakness of the spirit. This is, this is, uh, I'm talking about spiritually we know what to do. We've, we've, we've gone from the kingdom of the world to the kingdom of God and there's certain things that we lay aside and certain things that we're running towards but we keep slipping up. Again, I know you're all way too holy for this, but I'm, I'm that guy. <laughs> this resonates with me where I'm talking about that temptation that you've given into, again. The anger that bubbles forth, again. The story that you're telling and you just start to exaggerate the story for no apparent reason. Anyone been? Yeah. <laughs> don't have to put your hands up, don't worry. But you've been there before, right? Where it's like, why did I do that? Like, I know what... I meant to be doing, and I just didn't do it. Like, I know what God's called over my life. I know that God has put me in this place to contend for, for, the, for, the, for the gospel. But when they started talking about how, denouncing Christianity in my RE class, and I just sat at the back, and no one knew that I was a Christian in there, why did I do that? Or when I'm walking down the street and God says, go and tell that person that I love them. And you know that their life could be saved right now and you let them walk straight by. You say, I'm sure someone else will speak to them. Ah, weakness. Romans chapter 8 verse 26. This was not in my sermon this morning, but today's verse of the day on the Bible app is Romans 8 verse 26. And it says, let me read it up. It says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray, what, what we should pray as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That is God's way of saying you do not know how to pray. None of us. <laughs> Think of the best prayer that you've ever heard. God says, Yeah, we're gonna need a translator. So so spiritually, there's this there's this deficit that we often go through. Think about Peter, strong Peter. Zealous Peter, he's, he's there saying, Jesus, I'm going all the way with you. Jesus is about to get arrested. He pulls out, goes to chop off the guy's ear. Think about what he was trying to hit, really, if he hit someone's ear. You know what I mean? This is the Peter that we're talking about. And the next day, they say to him, aren't you one of the Jesus people? Me? No, 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 no. 
No, 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 I've seen you around with Jesus. Nope, must have been another guy. There's another Peter down there, check, check with him. No, I'm sure it's you. He says, can you just leave me alone? It's not me. All right, then he remembers. Wow, how fragile. A man that went from saying to the end, Jesus, to within three questions, it all ended. Types of weakness, body, mind, spirit. Mm. So what are the effects of weakness? Those are the types of weakness, number two. What are the effects of this weakness? The effects of weakness are, you know, I'm going to, Judges chapter six, there's a, there's a man called Gideon. So God has taken the Israelites up out of Egypt. They've gone into the promised land, but there's some battles that they've got to fight there. There's some battles that they've got to go through there. And they've got different judges that are people that are essentially there to help them win these battles. And we come to a man called Gideon. Israel's in a pretty tough position because they are being oppressed by people called the Midianites. And what the Midianites used to do, the Midianites used Israel as a fridge, basically. They would roll through, take all their food, take whatever they wanted, and then they'll go back to Midian. That's what the dynamic between Midian and Israel was at that time. They were being ransacked completely. And because of that, there's this man called Gideon who is, what it says here is, he was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide from the Midianites. He was so afraid of these Midianites just coming and taking his food, essentially. They were like big bullies. <laughs> so he took a, a task he should have been able to do in the light, and he went into a place that was not created for him so that he would hide. And then the angel of the Lord comes and stands before Gideon. Now, I believe that this is the pre-incarnate Jesus because he starts calling him Lord after. And, and, and the angel of the Lord stands there and he says, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. Now, I'm not going to lie, I could have dealt with that last week. You expect him to be like, rah, the Lord's with me. Okay, okay. No, what's his response? His response is, yeah. In fact, let me read it verbatim. He says, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all of this happened to us? He says, where are all the miracles? Eh? Where, where's all the wonderful deeds that our fathers told us about? Oh, the Lord took us up out of Egypt. Where is it? Because last time I checked, I'm, I'm here in a wine press. And my whole nation is being used as the local fridge. And the Lord completely ignored him. Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? Oh, you missed it. He added a little sentence there, didn't he? He added a little something at the end there, didn't he? He said, do I not send you? And he said to him, this is Gideon talking, he says, please, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Israel. And, uh, sorry, my clan Manasseh is the weakest and I'm the least of my father's house. What Gideon's saying is, I am the weakest of the weakest in the weakest. How can I be the one to help save Israel? And the Lord said to him, notice the Lord didn't say, no, you're not. You're a you're, no, no, you're not the weakest. The Lord said, mm. <laughs> but I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And Gideon said back to him, okay, okay, okay. If I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you that speaks with me. 
What are the effects of weakness? I'm going to find three things from this story to show you the effects of weakness because Gideon was weak, objectively. Number one, uh, discouragement. Uh, Weakness is a passion killer. Uh, It makes you feel insecure. You feel discouraged. You end up beating out wheat in a wine press. You end up, well, not doing what you were called to do in a place that you weren't called to do it. You end up like Peter, going back to fishing after being told that you are the rock on which the church is going to be built. Discouragement. Number two, what happens when, when what is the effect of weakness? Uh, doubt. You start to doubt. You ever, you ever, you ever, you ever seen that in verse 17? Uh, the, the angel of the Lord appears before Gideon. And in verse 17, he says, I'm going to need to see a sign. Excuse me? Think about that. If an angel came and stood right here and said, King's Arms, it's time to go out into Bedfordshire and preach my gospel right now. And we said, yeah. I'm going to need a little bit more than that, though, angel. Like, what? How? how? Ah, it's doubt. When weakness breeds doubt. And the thing about doubt is it gets you to concentrate on the weakness instead of concentrate on the miracle that's happening right in front of you. You know how many times I've been in a meeting? <laughs> how many times I've been in a meeting and something has discouraged me and so I'm standing there and I'm thinking about that thing that has discouraged me and then we come outside of the meeting, it's all gone all right and people are like, wow, God moved today. Moved where? In that meeting, did you not see that person was, and God was doing it? And I'm like, I didn't hear God at I didn't see a move. I felt nothing. Why does that happen? Brothers and sisters, it's because you can't look up and down at the same time. Who wants to volunteer and try? Either you're looking down at your circumstance or you're looking up at God and trusting him to deal with your circumstance. So that, discourage, that, that, that discouragement, that weakness breeds discouragement, that discouragement breeds doubt, and that doubt takes our eyes off of the Savior and onto our own situation, which ends us up. It means that we end up missing the miracles and saying, Lord, I'm going to need more than that, and God's like, I'm right here. Maybe that's you today. Focusing on frailty and missing direction. Cynicism and skepticism are there to kill faith. But in Jesus' name, some faith is going to be revived today. Amen. Okay, let me speed up. What's the third thing? What's the third effect of weakness? The third one is discarded dreams. Discarded dreams. Uh, Israel was God's chosen nation. Israel is, is covenant relationship with God. They're different. They're built different to all the other nations. Like, God has promised them. Oh, Deuteronomy, the end of it is that like, I'm going to be with you. Yeah, but the weakness caused them to be like, yeah, that must have been for another generation, not us. What has God promised you? Uh, what's that word that was said over your life 10 years, 15 years ago? Where someone said to you, oh, God has called you to be a father to people. God has called you to go out to go, to, to, go out to the nations. God has called you to have involvement with the youth. God has called you to be a pillar of faith within the school where you are right now. What has God promised you that has been discarded because of this perceived weakness? Physically, objectively, Gideon was the weakest of the weakest in the weakest. Yeah. Israel were oppressed. Things looked bleak. Uh, 
The enemy wants the weakness, the, the reality of your weakness, to quench the greater reality of your calling. That's what he wants. If he can get you to focus on the weakness and be like, you know what, God, you got the wrong person, then he's laughing. Not today, Satan. Is that what they say? Because uh, this is what God says. Look, here's a tip in life. <laughs> truth is God's opinion on anything. That's what truth is. Yeah. Whatever God's thoughts are on anything, that is called truth. Seek the truth. Because you may be looking at something. Uh, uh, we like to use the David and Goliath analogy. You might be looking at a Goliath that objectively is a big thing. It's too much for me to overcome. It might be inside you though. It's this weakness where it's like, I can't speak. How do you want me to go and do that? I get nervous when I'm in front of people. How am I meant to speak? Objectively, yeah, that's right. It's factual, but it's not the truth. What's the truth? The truth is God's opinion. What's God's opinion? He says, oh, you don't fight against flesh and blood. So what you're seeing right now, yeah, it's there, but that's not where the fight is. Uh, it's just, it's, that's not really the real fight. But, but then God also says, yeah, that's not the real fight, but also the battle belongs to me, not you. The battle belongs to the Lord, right? Yeah. So uh, don't be scared of what you see. Don't be scared of the fact that you're going to have to fight because the fight is actually mine. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Uh, and then he says, even then, just remember, I am for you, not against you. Which means that, yes, you're in a fight, but the Lion of Judah's on your side. I know what side I want to be on. <laughs> and then he says, even more than that, all situations work out for the good of those who are in me. So even if it looks bad right now and it feels bad right now, it's going to come good. Oh, you don't believe me. Well, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So even if you don't see it right now as it is, have faith that it is going to become that because you would never even understand what my ways are right now. He's saying that, ah, just believe that even that it may not seem so, that it is so simply because God said so. You hear what I'm saying? That's, that, that's really the, the crux of this. God uses weakness. Someone should have said hallelujah right there. Because that's you and I. God uses weakness. He uses weak people. So whatever limitation that you came in with today, God said, mm-hmm. Yeah, my blood covered that. All these people in the Bible that were weak people, but then God used them. I've got to start drawing in. I'll give one more verse to solidify because I know someone doesn't believe me. <laughs> Corinthians 1, verse 27, it says, God purposely chose what the world considers as nonsense to shame the wise. He chose what the world considers weak to shame the powerful. Amen. You are not defined by your weakness. Number three, I'm a speed through this. Paul says, my grace, well, sorry, the Lord says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Paul goes on to say, I will only boast of my weakness. For when I am weak, I am strong. Hold on a second. What does that mean, Paul? How can you say when I am weak, I am strong? That's like saying when I am tall, I am short. <laughs> Has he made a mistake there? Because I think a lot of people read this, when I am weak, you are strong. No, no, no. He says, when I am weak, I am strong. Hmm, interesting. Sorry, I just copied your noise right there. That was really weird. Um, it sounds like you messed up. But I've said this before. As Christians, we need to be used to oxymorons. You have to lose your life to find it. You have to die to yourself. 
crucified with him, and now you're alive. And another one, when you are weak, you are strong. How, though, Jesus explains this in the Beatitudes. He stands there, he says, it says, he went up the mountain, and when they gathered, they came close to him, and he began to speak. And when he spoke, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean? Blessed means happy, fortunate, to be envied. Are the people who are poor, destitute, bankrupt, spiritually. What does bankrupt mean? Bankrupt, I've got a really good definition here. Bankrupt, bankruptcy is a form of insolvency that is a dec- declaration that you are unable to reasonably pay off your existing debts. Blessed to be envied are the people who spiritually recognize that they ain't got nothing to bring to the table. They recognize that, but for some kind of intervention, they are doomed. Uh, let me flip that around. There's still two or three people that don't get what I'm saying. How unfortunate it is when people live life thinking that they're strong and they've got it together. Oh, how unfortunate that is. But to the ones that realize I ain't got nothing right now. In fact, Jesus said this, who of you can add a single hour to his lifespan? Ooh. You realize in that moment, I, I, so every single breath that I'm breathing is ordained by Christ. So like I could drop right now and I have no argument to make. Okay, interesting, right? Why is this, and this third point is the power of weakness. What is the power of weakness? Number one, you recognize you need a savior. This is a good thing. Sometimes we don't recognize we need a savior. We, sometimes as Christians, we feel like God's lucky to have us on his side. Work it out. <laughs> what's the power what's the power what's the power of weakness number two you emphasize sorry you empathize I can't read now you empathize with the weakness of others friends church needs to be the least judgmental place in the world because you recognize where you'd be without a savior which means when that broken person that you are so surprised walked into church today when they walk back in you say hallelujah thank you Jesus work in them the same way they work, that you worked in me What's the third power of weakness? You become eager for direction. You become thankful for correction. You no longer whinge at the prospect of being corrected. You're seeking out the correction. I've got, I know parents need to go in like a couple minutes. Is that right? I've got one illustration. Is it right if I do an illustration really quickly to try and drive this home? Where's Phil Cox and Daniel Weeks? Darren, did I get that? Did I get both names wrong? I got you. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Okay. So, I just want to illustrate for you. If you could get up on the stage really quickly and you're up. Yes, I was asking for a strong guy. We've got a strong guy right here. And. Now, if you were listening to the sermon, you'd realize that you're strong. <laughs> so. This is to me, I'm tr- I want to illustrate to you very quickly what does when I'm weak, I am strong actually look like. Now, if you could both just take a squat position. Yep. Life is a little bit like a squat. Because you can do it for a bit, but it's quite tough for a while. After a while, you can see, right, we've got Phil here, who he's doing it, but not to be deep, looks a little bit less comfortable. 
right? Just a little bit less comfortable, right? Now, this represents people that seemingly have it together. They've got the money, they've got the everything that you want, they've got the house and all of that kind of stuff. They've got everything together. Their kids are well-behaved and all of that kind of stuff. You doing all right? All right, good. So that's what that represents. Now, he's doing okay. Now, but what happens is life comes along. Life comes along and it says, can you hold on to that really quickly? Now, this is the weakness that comes. Maybe it's a bodily thing, maybe it's not. And you might have something a little bit smaller. But life happens to all of us. You can hold on to that. And you're looking at it objectively. You're like, wow, that person is so fortunate. But what God does, Jesus steps in and he says, look, keep holding out. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, okay? My grace is sufficient for you. So do you believe in me? Yeah. I need you to just stand up a tiny bit. A tiny bit. Stay there. I know it's harder to be there, but just stay there. Stay there. And now, by faith, don't look back, don't look back. But by faith, I need you to just lean back, just lean back, just lean back, just lean back. Ah, oh, there we go. Oh, wow. So, there you see, so he's still got the baggage, but who's stronger? But would he be this strong if he didn't admit his weakness? Ah, uh, give a hand for our guys right here, please. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, I've got to draw into a close right now. Can you guys stand up with me? I hope that's starting to make sense. I know we've got to release parents to go. Um, and I guess I should say that you're free to do that. But just right now, could you, could you close your eyes and just put out your hands? Because I spoke about some things here today, um, particularly the depression. There was something I felt, and I forgot to say it in the first service, but I felt something over uh, nightmares. I don't know if there's someone here that's suffering with some kind of nightmares, night terrors. I believe there's deliverance for you here today. Um, so, there's power in weakness. You have to lean back. It takes some faith, let me not lie. And you would have noticed that he still had the situations in his hands. He still had the situation. There were still some things that, get to be, that have to be held onto. You're going through something. And you're asking God, you've pleaded you've plead, three times, Lord, please take it away. You, that might be you today. Lean back is the first thing that I'm going to say. But second, I want to tell you about this power, this greater power, which is called grace. Yes, there's power in weakness, but oh, that's because of the power of grace. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. What is grace? Well, what does grace do? Number one, grace finds you. You might be someone that is at your lowest of the low right now. Maybe it's been a long time and it's getting to the end of your tether, but grace finds you in the wine press beating out wheat. It goes and finds you there. Grace is like a river because it always chases the lowest point. That might be you today. Grace, number one, is here to find you. Number two, what does grace do? Grace saves you because we are saved by grace through faith. You cannot work your way into salvation. So you thinking, oh, if I could be stronger, if I could be stronger. No, you need to come underneath the saving power of grace today. And number three, what does grace do? It empowers you. It empowers you. My favorite analogy is that grace is it's like an automatic light. When you move, it comes on. <laughs> so there's some people that are here today where it's like, yes, those situations are there, but I believe that the God of the Bible that is the same God that is here today wants to save some people and he wants to empower some people. Can we close our eyes? Is it all right if I just do a little bit of ministry right now? Everyone with your eyes closed, can you just... 
just for one second, can you just speak to God yourself? I don't know if something got highlighted in your head as I was speaking, some, something that you've maybe been going through. And if you're here and you're someone that believes right now that it's like, Lord, I need to feel that strength. Because <laughs> I've, been, I've been in this squat position for way too long. And you need that empowering grace. So I'm going to ask you to put your hands up right now if that's you, because I want to pray over you. Thank you, Jesus, for these hands. I believe these hands are like you sitting back into that chair. It's an acceptance thing. You accept the help of the Lord. You accept the grace of God. Keep your hands up, or you can just put them out. I just thank you. I just wanted to know that I'm praying for some people here right now. You can put them down for now, because there's a second category of people I want to call out. These are people that... They don't know Jesus. They don't know this power. They've spent their whole life squatting. They've spent their whole life away. Maybe they've spent their whole life pretending that they're sitting on a chair, but they're not really. Maybe some people will be surprised by your hand going up right now, but you're feeling the push of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're at home and watching this on the stream. I want to ask if that's you but you want to give your life to Jesus Christ today I want you to put your hands up as well not for my benefit but he died for you in public I want you to make this declaration in public as well if that's you today raise your hand thank you Jesus thank you Jesus glory to the King today is a good day King Holmes <laughs> it's a good day everyone that had their hands up could you put your hands back up quickly I'm just going to pray over you if you made a first time commitment to the Lord today please come to the front after I don't know what the what you normally do but come to the front after I want to have a chat with you for everyone else let's just pray together Lord I pray that all these hands that have gone up that they will know your surpassing power Lord God they will know you as king over everything you as Lord above it all you as the voice that calls out above the noise you as the hill that we look to for our help, Lord God, would they know that today in the name of Jesus? Lord God, would you stir something up in their souls, Lord God? Would the lion, like was sung earlier today, would the lion come out of their chest today, Lord God, that they would know that they are yours and therefore they can walk in confidence because they're yours, Lord God. Lord Jesus, I bless this house. I thank you for this house, Lord God, and I pray that you, Lord God, that you, this house will be marked by your presence that this house will be marked by the presence of the living God. That day after day, people will find a, 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 an oasis in the desert here in King Arms, King's Arms. Thank you, Jesus, for this house. Thank you for your love and your, your, your kindness and your grace, Lord God, that is sufficient. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.